Connell Tribune, 27th of May, 2021. No place for sectarian bigotry in the 21st century. Glasgow Rangers Football Club are an institution similar to the great rivals across the Clyde Celtic. Despite the obscene wealth available to English clubs, there are a few clubs in Britain bigger than both and not many throughout Europe. Amazing stadiums, worldwide fan base, European history and unequalled success in Scotland. No other country in Europe with a population of 5 million has two clubs the size and stature, and they represent what the late great Tommy Burns once said, a cause and a community. But that is where the comparisons end. Last week Rangers were presented with the SPL trophy at Ibrox. We're in the middle of a pandemic and social distancing is of the essence, yet their supporters gathered at Ibrox in their thousands, then marched in George Square in the centre of the city. There are 15 to 20,000 took over the place. Union jacks and evidence everywhere in the city which has rejected rule from London and the saltire flies proudly. Street drinking was engaged on a massive level despite Glasgow City Council bylaws banning it. The behaviour of the assembled crowd made it apparent that drink wasn't the only substance taken. Statues all around the square were climbed on, pissed on, vomited on or spat on. The crowds that had walked from Govan to George Square did so in an aggressive manner, almost like the fascist Lazio fans who walked from the Merchant City to Parkhead two years ago. This wasn't a carnival approach but a threatening and violent one. Anyone who might have looked different was attacked. This mob traditionally are up to their knees in pinion blood, but emigrants, homeless and gays might have satisfied their hatred, despite some singing. I'd rather be a Packy than a Tim, a former reference for Scottish Catholics. Anyone who watched the scenes from George Square and Sky would have been shocked. It started off peacefully enough, but then descended into an orgy of thuggery. Gangs of youths attacking others, all Rangers fans by the way. Individuals attacked by groups, savage, vicious beatings handed out to the victims, knocked to the ground and kicked about the head. Beer bottles thrown, shop windows smashed, young guys and girls urinating in public, young girls especially with just union flags covering their modesty, oblivious to the passing shoppers as the, the main shopping area in Glasgow became a virtual war zone. A den of inequity, it was pathetic, and of course no respect for anyone. The mob culture took over, and the massed ranks of so-called fans didn't regale us with the classic Freddie Mercury, we are the champions. No, the assembled bigots rattled out the regular Ibrox hymn sheet, the sash, Derry's walls, up to her knees and feet in blood. The famine is over, why don't you go home? Do you want a dinner, Bobby Sands? It's disgusting, xenophobic and anti-Irish sectarian bigotry. It's like turning the clock back 300 years to the Battle of the Boyne, even further to Martin Luther, Calvinism, or local icon John Knox. The hatred for Catholicism is manifested every other week in the terraces of Abrams. For a hundred years they wouldn't even sign a Catholic player. The bigotry knows no bounds. 
The unfortunate thing is that the young people who were involved in the disgraceful scenes in George Square last week have been born into this crap. I mean, how could a young 18-year-old boys and girls I've seen become entangled in this disgusting hatred unless their parents and families bred it into them? What sort of society in the 21st century should have to tolerate communities who hate others because of their religion or Irish background? What do the Scottish government, media and society have to say about it all? We hear all the time about racism, but have you ever seen a government minister or the media calling sectarianism out for what it is? Did you ever see footballers take the knee because someone was called a Fenian bastard? Look at the abuse James McLean gets in England where they're supposed to be above all this. He's targeted all the time because he's an Irish Catholic from Derry who refuses to wear the poppy which is his right. How many times have you heard someone say, ah, he brings it on himself? That's exactly what they used to say in Glasgow with Neil Lennon. Always blaming those who were attacked rather than the attacker. That's always been the way in Glasgow and Belfast for a century or more. It's unacceptable in 2021. Anti-Irish and Catholic bigotry has been part of life in Scotland and the six counties since famine times. Both Belfast and Glasgow had a minute Catholic population at the start of the 18th century. In Glasgow there were more anti-Catholic societies in the city than there were Catholics, just 40. Over the next century rural Catholics flooded into Belfast, not pre-famine over in the port to Glasgow. But they weren't welcomed with open arms by the indigenous Scots and sectarian bigotry became a byword for both cities. The shipyards became major employers, but only if you're of a certain religion. Discrimination was rampant. What school did you go to became the most important question on a CV. Sectarian pogroms in Belfast in 1920 set the tone for the partition statelet. In Glasgow in the 1930s, rager gangs were rampant. The Protestant Billy Boys, the most vicious, cutthroat blades weren't the preserve of Sweeney Todd. At Celtic Rangers games throughout the century, battles would take place regularly on the terraces and around the Gallagate, culminating in the Hamden Red in 1980. In 69, another pogrom from the Shankill onto the Falls set the scene for the modern era, but times were a changing. The demographics of both Belfast and Glasgow were showing that the majority minority stats weren't as vast. Up to the 1980s, it was dangerous for Celtic fans walking through Glasgow after a game. Similarly, in Belfast, for nationalists walking through the city centre with a GA top would be risking assault. The sectarian bigotry in both cities, and indeed in places like Portadown or Ayr, has been an ongoing problem right through the 20th century and into the new millennium. That it is ignored by the media and government sources is part of the problem. Or even worse is the cop-out we hear all the time. Both sides are as bad as each other. How many times did we hear that here in the Republic back in the 70s and 80s when people were discussing the conflict in the six counties? When Rangers are challenged about their fans singing up to their knees in Fenian blood, what is the response? But your Celtic fans sing about the IRA. Now, whether people know much about Irish history or not, if they checked, they'd find out 
at the Irish origins of the football club, which is what defines it. And the songs they sing about are about the famine, the fields of Athen Rye, Grace about the marriage in 1916 in Kilmainham, Boys the Old Brigade about the flying column in the War of Independence. None of the songs has anything to do with anti-British, Protestant or sectarian bigotry. All reflect periods in time and part of our history. Still the media and apologists will spin out the old line about mad sectarian bigots on both sides. All the time allowing Rangers Football Club and their fans the freedom to continue to cause mayhem and spew their sectarian hatred occasionally, as witnessed in George Square last week. Amazingly, last week was the second time in just two months. Back in March, when they clinched their first title in a decade, they did exactly the same thing. And the Scots Polis just let them get on with it. Now you'd think surely it couldn't happen again, but once more, the Glasgow Polis adopted a softly, softly approach and let them turn the centre of the city into a cesspot of hatred and bigotry. On an even bigger scale, back in 08, Rangers played the UEFA final in Manchester. 100,000 caused mayhem in the centre of the city. Similarly, back in 72, they played in the European Cup winners' cup final in Barcelona, once again wrecked the place and invaded the pitch. There's a mentality that exists that needs to be examined. It's a form of fascism, superiority over people of a different religion or colour. It stems from a colonial history of empire. The we are the people mentality they espoused just to remind others. They perceive them as second class citizens. It's disgusting, pathetic, evil and wrong. In case anyone thinks I'm writing this article from a partisan position of bias, then it goes without saying it's not. I absolutely deplore sectarianism. Along with racism, it's the most abhorrent exhibition of bigotry imaginable. I'm a Catholic by birth, but it's with a small c. Equally, I've loads of Protestant friends, similarly with a small p. I've played golf with many friends from Londonderry at Dunfanny over the years who kicked with the other foot, as they say. Never once had we a bad word between us, except, ironically, one captain's night and a visiting golfer pulled us up for singing the sash with them after they'd sung Sean South with us. Let's say he was the prick. One of our best friends at Dunfanny was Brian Craig, as big a Rangers fan as you would meet. On match days we would meet up and he would have a royal blue golf jumper on as we had emerald green. We'd give him golf balls with a Celtic logo as he would hand us blue tees. After golf we'd head to the Kerry Grua to watch the game. That's the way it should be. I'm sure there are thousands of Rangers fans who are like that in Scotland. But the problem is that it's not a minority who engage in the sectarian show. It's a massive problem within their club and followers worldwide. In fact, even last week as the players celebrated in the Ibrox dressing room, they were filmed singing Fuck the Pope. Don't know what their coloured foreign Catholic players made of that. Maybe the North Stephen Davis could explain it. I understand sectarianism better than most. I grew up immersed with it in Belfast. In fact, you can't do other ways. It's in your DNA, but you have to get it out of your system. You have to work at it. My parents were country people, so they didn't have any time for that nonsense. But like everyone in Belfast, we lived in a divided society. 
It was a sectarian state that, as James Craig and Brookborough declared, a Protestant state for a Protestant people. It defies comprehension. I had friends killed by loyalists in the 70s. Jimmy McCallum was only 16 when killed by a UVF bomb in a pub he was working in 71. Six months later, Norman Campbell was shot six times in the head by the UDA in a building said he was working. That was sectarian bigotry at its most vicious. They weren't killed for anything else, only their religion. Neither were involved in any of the armed groups. Just killed at their workplace, which should have been neutral and safe. Probably murdered by guys who never worked a day in their lives. During the conflict, everyone killed and no one has clean hands. But while British soldiers in the IRA were at war and combatants, the loyalist UVF and UDA killed a thousand Catholics for no other reason than their religion. Republican militants, they might have killed about 80 out of the total. In the 70s and 80s, the Shankill Butchers, led by Lenny Murphy, went on a sectarian spree which was beyond comparison. They kidnapped and killed up to 30 Catholics. Not only killed them, but they used butchers' knives, hatchets and spades to cut their throats and try to decapitate them. The book Shankill Butchers by Martin Dillon is the most horrific reading you will ever come across. How anyone could descend to these levels, but that's what sectarianism and racism does. Whether it's loyalist paramilitaries, Ku Klux Klan, white Afrikaners, Nazis, fascists, Zionist Israelis. They see their enemy has not been human and they can treat them as such. That's the problem with ideologies that sees a white supremacy lording over Catholics, blacks, Arabs and Africans. In a sense we may be grateful in Scotland they limit their sectarianism to 90 minutes on a Saturday. Although many a young Celtic fan had his throat slit walking through Brixton. And indeed, just three years ago, I brought an English friend, Mal, over to a Celtic Rangers game. His first time in Glasgow. After the game, we were having a beer with a German friend in a pub near the Merchant City. Just around the corner, a gang of Rangers fans attacked a Celtic pub and thrashed, slashed three guys with Stanley knives, with a guy around our age almost killed. Like the Irish guy at Anfield recently, he could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sectarianism is evil. We know all about it in the six counties just as much as Scotland. I know there are some bigots within the Celtic support in Ireland and Scotland just as much as there are bigots within nationalism. But thankfully it's a minority. The hatred we witness at what they used to call the old firm comes from the Rangers support. Why? It's impossible to understand. On the Shankill Road or the stands at Ibrox and Goblin, you'll find five-year-olds singing up to their knees in premium blood. What sort of parent would allow their child to do that? Generations have been immersed in this sick bigotry. Why would anyone hit another human being because of their religion? Even worse, why would anyone kill another person because they had a different religion? It's disgusting and makes you wonder about all the religious wars down through the centuries. What was it all about? Over the years, society covered it up. The media in Scotland didn't recognise Irish migrants as a cultural identity. If, as was usually the case, a Celtic fan was attacked or killed, the media would say football hooligans, 
They would never say he was a Catholic killed by Rangers fans. In Belfast, if the IRA killed an RUC or UDR man, the media would say a Protestant killed. If loyalists killed a Catholic, the media and RUC would announce reason for death unknown. It was blatant but subtle avoidance of the obvious reasons. I've experienced sectarianism personally. I've mentioned it previously, but you can't say it enough to expose the bigots. Living in a loyalist area, I went up with Protestant friends to the 12th bone fair. A bigger lad stopped me going near it. F off, you fiendian bastard. I was eight. Didn't know if he was defending the Protestant Reformation or King Billy riding his white stallion across the boy. But sectarianism was embedded in his mind. He was only 14. In the mid-sixties, a group of us went across Belfast to watch Glen Torn play. A dozen Topin Fenians in the midst of a majority loyalist support, but we never had any trouble. But then they weren't Linfield. No offence to Big Paul Smith, who a golf with in Dunfanny and is a good Linfield guy, but the Blues are the Belfast equivalent of Rangers, and Windsor always a cold house for Nationals. Although Letter Kenny's Andy Gorman had a lucrative career with the perennial Irish League champions, don't know if, like the dub Pat Fenlon, he wore a Celtic t-shirt under his jersey while training at Windsor. In 2005, along with 30 others, we spent a week at Eat and the Somme visiting the World War I graves. It was organised by the late Glen Bar, essentially by the UDA. Our group was mixed Catholic, Protestant, Donegal, Derry, British soldier and UDR man, UVF and IRA ex-prisoners, Sinn Féin organiser, the HSE CEO, teachers, writers, poets, musicians. It was the most eclectic group ever. The week was spent visiting graves and debating conflict, sectarianism and division. The religious mix was never a subject even when the UVF and UDA leadership landed to talk peace after yet another feud in Belfast. Meeting a skinhead, muscle-bound Johnny Adair in a pub in Eat was like having lunch with Hannibal Lecter. So there is hope. This week, for the first time, the Scottish Government have come out and condemned Rangers and their fan base. Nicola Sturgeon says she was disgusted by Rangers fans that rampaged through Glasgow. SNP Deputy First Minister John Sweeney said they indulged in vile anti-Catholic bigotry. The Scotsman newspaper, a broadsheet not known for radical thinking, called for action to end the superiority syndrome, which even former Rangers manager Walter Smith referred to. The Justice Secretary in Scotland, Husma Yousaf, called on Rangers to sack any player or staff member found guilty of anti-Catholic hatred. The Scots Green Party leader Patrick Harvey said Rangers fans were a bunch of thugs. BBC Scotland said it was disgraceful and SFA President Rod Petrie called it an abomination, not a celebration. Even Rangers in a limp, grovelling statement said some of the scenes were unacceptable and besmirched our name. The main tabloid, the Daily Record, known colloquially as the Daily Ranger by Celtic fans, said sectarian songs, violence, vandalism, disgraceful scenes in the middle of a pandemic. Glasgow and Scotland, like the six counties, is a change of pace. 
while the country as a whole remains predominantly Protestant at a 5 to 1 ratio. In Glasgow itself, the Catholic Irish population is between 30 and 40 percent. Traditionally, Scotland was Labour territory with the Irish strong supporters, but the surge of the MP has changed the whole demographic. Previously, with a Tory background, the Irish vote wouldn't go near the SDNP for fear that Scotland would end up like a version of old-style Stormont rule. But the modern SNP has morphed into a new progressive party which dominates Scottish politics, appeals to young people and is preparing for independence. The Tory and Labour vote has died a death and the Irish vote has transferred to the SNP. It creates a new Scotland with independence and back within the European community. Hopefully there will be a government who will tackle the issue of sectarianism head on. The Irish community of Scotland have now taken their place in society as equal participants, heavily involved in politics, law, media and the business community. If the words of the First Minister Nicola Sturgeon after last week's disgraceful scenes in George Square are setting a path for a future independent Scotland, then hopefully the spectre of unbridled sectarianism might be tackled at long last. It won't be easy, just as preparing for a unity referendum in the six counties won't be easy. We're all aware of the behaviour of the Orange Lodge followers during the Battle of Orange celebrations. The 11th night bonfires, the siege of Drum Cree, three children burnt in their beds in Ballymoney, Neil Lennon sent bombs and bullets, and as I write news coming in that Celtic Chief Executive Peter Laurel house was attacked with petrol bombs as his wife and children slept inside. Like last week's events, that's not celebrating your culture, that's out and out sectarian bigotry which must be stamped out. Who's to blame? I tend to think that it's unemployed working class youths who left school at 15, uneducated, illiterate maybe, going by some of the slogans painted on walls, city kids from dead end rough estates, as you get the world over, but throw in the sectarianism you find in Glasgow. But is it only confined to them? When the Republic played England in 95 at the old Lansdowne, the English fans caused a riot as they were wont to do across Europe at the time. When those arrested appeared in court, they weren't unemployed working class kids, but lawyers, accountants, businessmen, yuppies living in one million pound pads in Chelsea. For the National Front breed racism, sectarianism, fascism, thugs, gangsters and animals. Reading about Peter Laurel reminds me of consultant Dr. Mohammed Sattar in Beaumont Hospital. I owe my lifetime. He brought me back to life ten days after a brain hemorrhage. When I met him later and thanked him profusely for saving me, he replied, God saved your life. A few years previously, as he worked to save someone else's life in Dublin, bigoted racists attacked his home in Leicester with petrol bombs, and his wife, daughter, and two sons were burned to death. Horrific. Laurel's family could have faced a similar tragedy, this time bigoted sectarianism. There's no place in 2021 for it. How we eradicate it in society is for society to decide, but it can't be allowed to fester any longer and create another generation of 